Welcome to Week in Review, where we recap events and issues pertinent to Central Illinois. I'm WMDD Radio News Director Will Stevenson. A new initiative launching next month aims to bring in new talent to the Peoria area. Choose Greater Peoria will debut May 1st. Its focus will be on attracting talent to the region, branding to promote the area, and positive messaging, helping local residents think more highly of their home. The initiative is led by the Gilmore Foundation. Executive Director Laura Cullinan says there are plenty of opportunities in Peoria for those that want them. Cullinan talked with WMBD's TJ Carson. The biggest theme I picked up on today was talent, needing to bring it in and keep it in Peoria. How bad is the talent problem in Peoria right now? It's not a talent problem. It's actually, it's the opposite. We have so many opportunities here. The businesses have so many job openings and we, we just need people to come in and, and take advantage of that. It's incredible. There are tens of thousands of high paying, excellent jobs here that are open right now. And we want to help our businesses fill them so that they stay here and we continue to help this region grow. Why is there so many jobs that are just not filled here? The businesses are growing. Yeah. So that sounds like a good thing. It's a positive thing. All of this is, is great for the area. We just need to start talking about it. And I think one of the other big themes that came out of today is we're great. And we just are too humble. We don't recognize our greaterness. So what's the strategy to try to bring people to Peoria? How, how do you convince someone that this is the place they need to be? Well, we're going to reach out in various social channels. We're going to have ambassadors, so a person-to-person contact. We're going to showcase all the great things that we have to offer here outside of the companies, but then the uh, work-life balance. What is the, is there a goal to try to get people to come? Is there a specific number you're targeting? We have a, a general number between 20 and 40 people, and we have KPIs set up. And at the end of the year, I want to talk to you about those, and I want you to hold me accountable in our group, and, and we'll see where we got. 20 to 40 doesn't sound like a lot on the surface. I think we think it's a good start, and it's 20 to 40 positions that weren't filled. And we think that this is the beginning of a movement um, that's being conservative. Our hope is that we get much more than that. What are the best ways you have found in the research for this project to try to bring people in? We found that people bring people in, so it's not necessarily a large business that is recruiting, but that an individual at that business is reaching out to a human and connecting. Those stories, those human-to-human stories are very powerful, and that's what people, what resonates with people. Another theme I picked up in the presentation today was people are just too down on Peoria from within. How do you go about changing that? I think that we can shine a light on all the great things that we have here and listen to stories from great people like Chris Reynolds that moved here from other places, or that lived here, but moved to other places and came back and said, this is my home, or Nikki Romaine. That's a wonderful story, and look what she and her husband are doing. They're contributing, they're giving back, but she views it as she's filling herself up with all the, the great positive philanthropy that exists here. You can tell great stories, but ultimately, how do you convince people from within that this is a great place and that they just shouldn't be down on it? I think you can point out the things that are great. You can look at the education system. You can point to our natural resources. I think the media can help. I think you could tell more good stories. You're doing a great job, but we could we could do more. I think we can help by getting that word out a little bit more. How tough would that task be to try to change the mindsets of the people in Peoria? I don't think it would be tough. I think Peorians are hardworking, humble, great people, and, and I think they are hungry for a positive message. I don't think it's hard at all.
Now, there's also a brand um, changing up. Uh, or let me see. There's also a new brand campaign coming. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so it, the new brand campaign, it's really an evolution, and it, it's building off the foundation of GP2030 that the civic organizations created. We've just kind of amplified that message, and we've had business arm that message with a strategic focus and also with additional dollars. So we think it's great. It's a great partnership working with the EDC, the Chamber, and Discover Peoria. For the whole big picture, when you did the research and the conversations building up to this, was there anything that stood out that might have surprised you about um, the demographics or just the general area that you might use to help bring that new talent to the area? One thing that stood out when you looked at people that were willing to move for jobs, what they care about are things like quality of life, the ability to give back and be um, a philanthropic member of a community. They care about the great outdoors. They care about time with family. All of those things, what blew us away is you could check all those things off and say, yeah, those are what we have in Peoria. We just need to talk about it. Now, how is this different from other campaigns that have tried to do similar tasks? I think this is an evolution of, of those pre previous campaigns, and what we have is a strategic focus from business, and we have collaboration like we've never had before, and we have funding like we've never had before. And we also have a, uh, a marriage between the civic organizations, between business, and now philanthropy with the Gilmore Foundation. What defines success? I know the campaign hasn't exactly started yet, but when you get to the end, what defines success? Well, hopefully, it's people moving here. It's people staying here. It's our businesses thriving. It's those positions being filled. It's an undercurrent of a positive Peoria message. It's a, a changing in the way that um, we talk about ourselves. T.J. Carson also talked with Peoria Area Chamber of Commerce CEO Joshua Gunn. Talent attraction is really, you know, at the surface, it is about bringing, bringing people here to work. But it's also about building community. Uh, when you bring new people to your, your, your town, you bring new energy, you bring new ideas, you bring new relationships. You also, from a city and county and region sort of facilities perspective, you bring tax revenue so that we can pay for critical services, right? So talent attraction is not just about bringing people here. It's helping improve the quality of life for people who are already here uh, and build that community even more. Is there a big gap in what needs to be filled and what's available in the area right now? Yeah, 100%. There are thousands of jobs available in Peoria right now that are unfilled, right? Many of them in the healthcare sector, but also in things like heavy manufacturing. Our startup community needs people. Um, every industry in Peoria, our higher education in industry needs employer, employees, right? So um, we have a jobs board, for instance, that the Greater Peoria Economic Development Council created. Um, that's got thousands of openings on it today. So, yes, yeah, certainly lots of jobs available uh, and lots of opportunities to fill them. One of the things that I also want to mention, though, along those lines is we're also focused on developing the workforce, right? So we're not just bringing in people to take jobs. We're also helping people who are here get the training and skills they need for jobs that we have. Now, what's the plan to bring people in? So part of the plan is messaging, marketing, telling the story. The other part of the plan is uh, incentivizing people to come here, right? So thinking about what it would take to make the, take that person who's maybe considering a job somewhere else, uh, or, you know, Peoria versus another place, what does it take to push them over the line? So things like welcome kits, free tickets to our Chiefs game, uh, you know, fun things at the Peoria Riverfront Museum to, to excite them about the community. Because what we know is people have choices. And a lot of times in today's world, people don't just move for a job. 
they move because of the place and then figure out where they want to work after that. So we have to make this place the most welcoming and exciting place to live in the country. And you told a story uh, during the presentation about how you kind of had that experience. I did, yeah. I was recruited here for my role at the chamber, and while the chamber was saying great things to me and the search committee was saying great things to me, the rest of the folks in the community that I met uh, who had no idea who I was maybe had a different narrative to tell, and we have to be intentional about making everyone feel included in this effort so that that community pride resonates, not just with those of us who get paid to do this work, but for people who feel like maybe Peoria has left them behind or isn't including them and engaging them in that work, because the result of that feeling of exclusion is people become down on their community, right? And so we need, as a part of this effort to make people excited about Peoria, but also ensure that they are included in the effort so that that excitement is genuine and doesn't feel like a canned pitch. Because you and I both know, you know, a salesperson can tell you anything, right? But when you get the product, in our case, the product is our community, if it doesn't align with what you were sold, that's a problem, right? And we have to make sure that the message connects with the reality. And that was another theme I picked up on. Too many people apparently are down on Peoria from within. How do you change those perceptions and mindsets in the community? Yeah, part of it is I, I hope that folks like myself can be helpful, right? I've lived other places, right? I'm from North Carolina. I lived in Los Angeles, lived in the Philadelphia area, um, you know, cities that have a big city reputation and places like my hometown that is one of the fastest growing uh, regions in the country right now in the Triangle region. And there's nothing but great news about the Triangle. But living there, I know that the grass ain't always greener, Right. And there's a lot to appreciate about our community. So hopefully helping uh, people here in Peoria get perspective and recognize that we have a lot here to be grateful for. Um, and it ain't as bad as you, you think. Doesn't mean it's perfect. Doesn't mean we don't have to continue to work to improve the community. But let's appreciate some of the great things we have. More Week in Review coming up. A few days ago, survivors of violent crime and family members who have lost loved ones to violent crime took an annual trip to Springfield. The group called Crime Survivors for Safety and Justice also included several dozen people from Peoria. Among those was Clara Underwood Foreman, who herself lost two sons to gun crimes. How have you been doing in this time? Uh, pretty good, you know, being able to, uh, you know, get out into the community and talk with the families and survivors really helps uh, in my own journey as well. Is that the best thing that you've been able to do? I mean, I imagine it's probably a couple of things between uh, talking with other uh, survivors and, and, and doing things like this. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, that along with this particular uh, type of event we do every year. Uh, it's called Survivors Speak, where we go to Springfield and we um, talk with legislators. We push for uh, different legislation that's going to support uh, the survivors. Uh, so you've gone before? Oh, yeah, every time. Um, what have you learned in the past in the past years that you've been you've been going to Springfield for this cause? Well, I've learned that it makes a difference when you uh, gather with other survivors uh, that have gone through the same thing you have. It, it uh, gives you strength uh, to be able to deal with, uh, you know, the grief that you go through. I was talking with someone else earlier. I not that it matters a lot, but I worked in Springfield and covered the Capitol for a couple of years before coming to Peoria. And mm. and I, I noted that every time I went to the Capitol and, and covered the legislature that it seemed like that there was every cause imaginable, lobbying and rallying and, and, and that sort of thing every time the legislature's in session. And, mm. and it made me wonder if it really... If every cause drowns out every other cause, I guess do you do you think your 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 message and and 
this event gets through to lawmakers? Well, we have been very fortunate uh, because we have uh, Jahan uh, Gordon Booth, who champions uh, this particular uh, organization. And uh, and she uh, makes sure that when we go there, uh, every year we've gone, we've actually gotten what we pushed for. So we've been very fortunate. Talk about what you have been pushing for in years past. Uh, years past, we pushed for uh, uh, the victim's compensation uh, in changing the uh, application uh, because it, it was uh, deemed uh, before that if your uh, person had, was uh, involved in their own death, they was not eligible. So when we went a year or so ago, we pushed for that and we got that. So now that's not even on uh, the application. Uh, that's one thing. The other thing, in this year, we, we're pushing for uh, 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 to expand uh, employment protection so that the uh, folk that are dealing with grief will have some time to deal with grief before they go back to work. Uh, we are pushing for uh, funding for counties that are willing to uh, implement programs uh, that uh, would be an alternative instead of prison. So we got uh, uh, several things that we're going to push for this this time. How successful with those other measures you think you've been? It sounds like you've been pretty successful in years past. We have been. We have. And we believe we're going to be uh, successful today as well because we have a lot of uh, lawmakers there that is really behind us. And, uh, and we're going to get an opportunity to go into the chamber uh, and talk with the legislators. And so uh, we believe that we're going to come out uh, pretty good uh, this time as well. Anything else you're thinking about as you're about to get on the bus and go to Springfield today? Are there are there other concerns, or the, is there maybe even one other message you'd tell lawmakers today? Well, um, number one, Springfield, here we come. Uh, the other thing is, uh, one of the other things that we're pushing for, which I think is going to be very monumental, is that uh, we, are, we are pushing to uh, seal records of low-level uh, uh, records so that uh, people can go back to work because it's very difficult in getting a job uh, when you have uh, felonies or whatever, uh, getting an apartment, uh, a traditional housing. Uh, so this will enable them to really move forward. So uh, that's the other thing that I'm very excited about and believe that we're going to come out. Uh, pretty good in, in that area. Low-level crimes like drug possession and things like that. Yes, yes, because you know, you know that we have now we have dispensaries here, and so uh, we we need to so show some uh, some uh, some social justice and equity uh, when it comes to that because now it's been legalized, and so we need to really uh, really go back, you know, and look at that. One last question for me. Do you see a point at some point in the future where, you're, where you won't have to keep going to Springfield to keep lobbying for things, or do you see it as never-ending? Mm, kind of never-ending, yeah. uh, because there's always going to be a fight uh, in, in some, uh, de at some degree, So, which is good. That, that means that you know, uh, we're engaged in the process. Also attending was Peoria County Clerk Rachel Parker, who herself lost a son to gun crime. Today, this is my first time being a part of this uh, survivor's trip. Um, really just coming to listen and learn and to see what the issues are, what people are looking for, what people are needing, and um, just to see if where I fit in in all that. Other than being a survivor, how can I 
help someone else. Do you have an idea of that going in, or, do you, or, or are you just, as you said, kind of looking to learn? Yeah, no, I, I really don't know what to expect. Again, it's my first time doing it. just was encouraged by some people to at least go check it out and see, you know, again, where I can fit in and to help out. Um, obviously, yours is an unsolved crime. Um, is that... It, it, how big of a concern do you think, obviously it's an important concern for you, but in terms of trying to, I guess, maybe come up with ways to to fight crime, how much is, how much is that a, an important concern, do you think? The, the fighting of the crime is... Or dealing with unsolved crime as a part of the overall sort of looking at how we do better, I guess. Well, I'll tell you what I've learned mm-hmm. um, and what I hope. Uh, the Peoria Police Department has done a good job. Um, they're shorthanded. From what I've been told, the case probably could have been solved a while back. But, of course, again, so many other murders have happened, which is so sad. And it takes them off of the case they're currently working on so they can go to that next case because you want to get that evidence as soon as you can. Well, then that just puts my case a little bit further back on the burner, which, you know, in some ways you always want yours to be first and foremost, but it can't always be that way. So it's kind of disappointing every time I hear another one. That means that I know that mine's going to get pushed back a little bit further. Um, So if there's any kind of way where they can get more people hired to do that detailed work, you know, that investigative type work, I believe that we could get a lot more cases solved. So is more more police officers maybe part of the solution to fighting crime, do you think? No, I really don't. Um, I honestly think it goes all the way back to how people are raised. I think it goes back to um, support throughout the school systems, the neighborhoods. You know, it goes all the way back there. So it's it's hard to just come up with something and say, okay, this is what's going to stop crime. Because if we knew that answer, we wouldn't be in the state we're in right now today. So, again, it's going to take some time and it's going to be starting with the younger kids and getting them on the right path so they don't end up the way that some of these kids are today. I know you said you're just kind of on a, for lack of a better term, a fact-finding mission, I guess, today, but if there was one thing that you could tell lawmakers today, what do you think it would be? To really listen to their constituents, especially the ones that have a lot of detail and facts behind whatever it is that they're trying to push forward and then use that to help sway their other um, counterparts to to get things going and to make things into law that need to be made into law or change some of the things that are at all now that are just not right. (laughs) I imagine you'll probably hear from a lot of people who think that they have answers as to how to solve this or how you should cope and, and things like that but I imagine it's probably as much as as helpful as some of those folks may be, there's probably not one answer, is there? No, there is not. Everybody's different. Um, everybody grieves differently. Everybody learns differently. Everybody looks at things differently. So, yeah, it is. It's really hard to just pinpoint one thing. Anything else that you that's on your mind about this today? I just hope it's successful in whatever the overarching goal is uh, for the group uh, and that it's just something that they can at least take one thing away and build on that. Because if you put so much energy into something, you want to see something come out of it. So I'm hoping that at least one thing they can bring back and it will move forward from there. I talked with both Clara Underwood Foreman and Rachel Parker prior to the participants getting on a bus to Springfield. 
More Week in Review coming up. Home sales in the first quarter of this year were down quite a bit compared to the year before, somewhat expected though perhaps since not as many homes in Peoria are for sale. WMBD's Julia Bradley talked with Robin Simpson, president of the Peoria Area Association of Realtors. We've seen it over the last couple of years and this year it's gone even lower. So in the first quarter our inventory was down to about the mid 400s where when we compare that to a couple of years ago, we would have had approximately 2,000 houses on the market. So that's for our local association area. That area covers all the way up um, to Dehinda, over to Macomb, somewhere in the middle between us and Bloomington. So it's quite a large area, and that spans across all price ranges. So it's very, very low inventory sitting on the market. And, and do you have a, a, a feeling of what, what a drop like that shows, really? I mean, what, what's brought that? Well, it's, it's um, been cumulative over the last couple of years that, you know, we haven't seen a lot of new construction due to, you know, raising prices and supplies and supply chain issues and all of those which we're hoping we'll see kind of stabilized and we can get some new construction homes back in there. So, you know, it's not the things aren't selling. The things that are coming on the market are just selling very quickly. So we're just needing more homes to sell to cover what the buyers are looking for so that we can get them a new home. Because when somebody goes to sell, they've got to find the next home. So it's you know, it just keeps that cycle going. We've got to have something for them to move into in order for them to list their home. Now, um, home sales were down 8.3% in the first quarter compared to last year at this time. Um, specifically right. in that time frame, um, is there something that you're looking at that brought those numbers down that much? Well, inventory was down 28%. So, yeah, it's, you know, if you don't have the homes to sell, the sales are going to go down slightly too. But you know, definitely wasn't proportional. It's just more things keep selling. What is it that, that uh, home sellers should know as far as, like, if they're looking at putting their home on the market or if they're looking at selling right now, what, what are the big things they need to know right now? Well, the biggest, of course, is making sure that they have a trusted professional realtor to help guide them through the process, um, make sure that all their bases are covered, helping them find that next destination or put in to the transaction, you know, the right um, clauses with the help of, you know, professional attorney to make sure that they have a place to move to so that they we can sell their house to the next person. Also, it's really essential that that home is priced correctly and in good condition because buyers are being careful about what they're buying. Things are selling quickly, but buyers are really starting to be... Um, more cautious about not jumping into something that they don't love. As far as in good condition, what advice would you have for people that are trying to sell their homes? What should they do um, when they're getting ready to put their home on the market? I know there's the talk about you know staging and uh, cleanliness and things like that. Tell us, tell us what people should be doing if they're going to sell. When they're thinking about selling, it's really essential that they start with making that phone call to a realtor so the realtor can 
walk through the home with them and tell them the things that will help get it market ready so that they're not putting money into things that wouldn't necessarily um, help their home sell, but maybe a realtor would look at it a little differently and then could also direct them to if it needs staging, if it needs repairs, those kind of things that the buyers are looking for. So it's having that initial consultation from the get-go with a professional realtor that can help guide them. And once they have the, the home ready to put on the market, um, what are you looking at as far as how long it's taking to sell those homes on average? Oh, you know, it, it depends on the price range, definitely in the amenities of the home, but in those mid-price ranges where we just don't have enough inventory, it, it, we're still seeing multiple offers many times on homes that are priced right and in good condition. So in the first day or two they can be selling. Um, things that there's more inventory of and buyers are having choices. You know, I think the average active is about mid 45, 46 days on the market. So still relatively very, very quick sales. So what is that mid-range that you're talking about that everybody is looking for? Um, you know, our average sales price and that's what makes our area so great. The average sales price is about 158,000. So, you know, that range up to about the 200, 250 are just really, really low on inventory in almost all of our communities locally. So that's what the buyers are out looking for, and we're just trying to find more of them for them. So when they do see a house that's in that range that they're really looking for, they need to like get on it, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, and they and also if you're a seller being prepared for that there's going to be potentially a lot of activity on your home. People really want to get in to see it, so um, the buyers are going through as quickly as possible to make their make their informed decision with their realtor if that's the house for them. Once people are are getting showings, um and you're talking about all those people coming in because there's such a high demand for it. Um, what should they expect, you know, when they're in that phase of, of in between of waiting for offers? What, what should they expect? Well, with the guidance of their agent to help them go through the offers if they're getting multiple offers, to really compare um, sometimes it's price, sometimes it's terms on those offers that will make it the most attractive to the seller. Um, you know, there can be a lot of different factors involved, and they just need to look at them all very carefully, so it's the best situation for them as well as for the buyer. With it's always best when it's a win for everybody. <laughs> with the low inventory, you were talking about the, the range that's, that you have the most of. What, what is that range that, that you have the most available right now? It's, there just isn't any range that has a lot available with only 450 houses, 460 houses sure. available. We need more houses in every range. We so do. not just the mid-range, but all ranges? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, going forward into the second, third, and fourth quarter of the year, um, I know you guys were talking about, you know, you're optimistic about um, some new construction. What do you see for the market coming up later this year? Well, I'd love to have the magic ball, but we're really, really hopeful that interest rates will stay stable like they have been or even decrease a bit, and that we are talking to a lot of builders and seeing them starting to build some in our area. That will help, but it's going to take a while to correct the inventory. It's 
not a matter of there's all of a sudden going to be a ton of houses. So we just have to keep working through this process. There's still a lot of buyers out there, some great financing programs for them when they're working with good lenders that you know they, they want to move. This is our new normal of people wanting to be able to have more in their homes. There's still a lot of people working from home. Um, and I think it's going to stay pretty much the same for the next bit, at least. I don't see any huge changes. So people are needing more space maybe than they had 10, 5, 10 years ago. So they're needing more out of their houses when they do look to move. Right. Um, and, you know, with what we've gone through in the last few years, I think people just are living in their homes differently. They might need more home offices or places to homeschool, all of those kind of things. Multiple living spaces are popular. So they're just looking for a change. More Week in Review coming up. It may seem like a wasted effort to some and perhaps wasted money to others, but the City of Peoria and the Downtown Development Corporation are embarking on an effort to help visitors to town learn where to go. What are called wayfinding signs will be installed, 70 of them at a cost of $670,000 to the city, pointing people in the direction of popular attractions, restaurants, and other means, along with giving them access to further information about what they may be looking for. Peoria Mayor Rita Ali. To understand where we are today, we must first look back at the origin of this project. In 2017, Tri-County, through Peoria Pekin Urbanized Area Transportation Study, announced that state funds were available for planning purposes. They put out a call for projects in the city, submitted an application to use these funds to help pay for a downtown wayfinding plan. The application was approved, and after receiving the award, the city put out a request for proposals. A review committee selected Corbin Design Group to develop a master wayfinding signage plan, which included proposed sign design drawings along with suggested sign locations. In April 2018, Corbin Design visited Peoria to survey downtown and meet with the steering committee. The city of Peoria organized several public meetings, presented several sign design options, shared plan information, answered public questions, and collected feedback before landing on a final sign design. We welcome the impact, excuse me, we welcome the input we gathered from our community members and city staff at that time. The City Council approved the Master Wayfinding Plan and in 2021 included funding in the 2022 budget. In early May of this year, the request for proposals will go out, so that's next month, and we anticipate that work could start later in the summer and conclude near the end of this year or the beginning of 2024. The Wayfinding Master Plan is only one of many strategic efforts underway to improve the quality of life for our community members, for our visitors, our businesses, and our property owners. The City of Peoria appreciates the efforts that you will hear about shortly 
from the Downtown Wayfinding Committee to support and facilitate the process of bringing the ultimate vision to fruition. At this time, I'd like to welcome at-large council member, Mr. Zach Euler. I'm fortunate enough to be here in two capacities today as an at-large member of the city council and also vice chairman of the Downtown Development Corporation. And we thought it might be helpful to share a little bit about wayfinding in general for those who do not know about it and a refresher for those who do. We hear the term a lot, but what is it exactly? The term wayfinding refers to a carefully designed connected system made up of signs that are designed to help guide people to where they need or want to be. The primary purpose of any wayfinding signage system is to provide people with directional and orientation cues to effectively navigate their physical environment with ease and confidence while simultaneously enhancing the experience. These systems use several design elements and cues such as signs, graphics, typography, and symbols to attract the attention of users and point them in the direction whether are on foot or motor vehicle. Ultimately, it is a combination of tools and systems that help people navigate a built environment. The goal is to achieve by displaying relevant information and crucial decision points which are noticed easily by the expected users. Wayfinding is a critical component of navigating people from point A to point B and any diverging points in between with intuitive ease. A wonderfully designed city makes effective use of wayfinding signage by providing accurate, consistent information content that enhances the overall urban environment experience. Wayfinding transforms complex urban environments into understandable and straightforward navigational spaces, helping people engage seamlessly with their surrounding environment. It contributes critically to the success of a city for both visitors and residents. And speaking of visitors, I'll turn it over now to J.D. D'Alfonso from Discover Peoria. Thank you, Councilman. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, and uh, first off, thank you again to the DDC and the Board of Directors and the guidance and also the leadership at City, City Hall to have the foresight, the vision, and the execution to get this thing moving. So thank you again for those at City Hall. As it pertains to visitors, uh, wayfinding systems help everyone navigate the landscape and connect with the people and resources they need, want, or don't know about yet, or as we say, like to discover. Uh, and there's many measurable ways and advantages in which we can execute wayfinding here in downtown Peoria. One, improved walkability. One thing that we can realize, I experienced this personally, was I was over at the Pierre Marquette and there was a visitor in from out of town and uh, really uh, asking uh, the best route to get to Kelleher's. And locals may say, I can know where the ample parking is, I'll get in my car and drive down to the ample parking down and, 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 and support the business. But it's a reminder that visitors traveling to our great destination like to walk. And so how does walkability improve that? Improved walkability allows them to not only help them get to that destination, but maybe also discover other opportunities to support downtown along the way. Greater economic growth. Again, one of the key drivers for uh, what we do at the Convention Business Bureau, drive business to consumer. Wayfinding information that highlights places of interest within their surrounding environment encourages people to discover what's around them. You know, the easier it is for visitors to explore their travel destination, the more likely they will make return visits. The positive effects of a great visit translate into thousands of more visits from other people looking to come to our destination. Again, connectivity. This is for residents and visitors alike. Uh, the use of creative strategically placed wayfinding signs can entice vehicular traffic 
and public transit users to divert their, energy, their journey to vibrant businesses, corridors filled with shops, restaurants, and local businesses. It's more than heads in beds sometimes, it's more feet in the streets, it's more in the stores. Any way you can drive economic opportunity and connectivity, we're all winning. And finally, brand identity. The implementation of wayfinding can help reinforce a city's defining history and proudly in, uh, announces the distinct character and branding of a, of a municipality. An exceptionally well-designed wayfinding system is an efficient marketing tool for cities, adding vibrancy to a city's streetscape while enhancing a sense of place. And so with that, uh, we are excited for the opportunities to continue this project uh, here in downtown, really see how it will affect positively for residents and visitors alike. Our next guest speaker, Mark Misselhorn. We're, we're here to talk about uh, a sign, uh, but you know, it's, uh, this is actually uh, uh, a sign of good things to come. It's, uh, I think it's a sign of progress, real progress being made. We talked about collaboration. Uh, there's been you know, months and years of planning, and uh, uh, the, the other sign that this is is uh, that these are interrelated projects. Uh, you'll, you'll be hearing more later this year about the, uh, the restoration, not conversion, restoration of, of Adams and Jefferson from uh, one-way to two-way, restoring the traffic pattern that it was intended to have, slows things down, makes it better for visitors, for walkability. The wayfinding system is integral to that. You can imagine you, we weren't going to plant signs, and then a year later or months later, the, the street directions are changing. The, uh, the riverfront uh, master plan and the park here is integral to the... There's, there's uh, not too many years down the road, uh, there's going to be major changes to Main Street. All of those things are interrelated. In and of themselves, they're important, but when they're amplified and coordinated, it makes the experience for visitors, for residents, for businesses that much better. So that's what this is all about, is bringing fruition to plan. So that's a good that's certainly a good sign. That does it for this edition of Week in Review. Join us at this time next week on this Midwest Communications Station for another recap of some of the biggest issues and events in central Illinois. You don't have to wait for Week in Review to get the lowdown on what's happening in central Illinois. For instant news 24-7, follow us at 1470 WMBD on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and at WMBDRadio.com. I'm Will Stevenson, WMBD News.